Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Saft and the MR Running Pains Podcast. Today, I've got two great guests, two generally good gentlemen. One goes by the name of Nathan Franz and the other, Sean Clayton. They just did something pretty incredible. They set an FKT on the Palmetto Trail in South Carolina, a 500-mile trail. Took them just over 10 days, and we're going to discuss their story. God, I could have talked to these guys for <laughs> forever. There was so much to talk about. I didn't want to uh, go too long and definitely want to be respectful of, of themselves and their times and their families because they had just gotten off the trail about three days prior to our recording. So um, I, I think we had a you know really genuinely good conversation and talked about a lot of good things, uh, how it went, etc. cetera, uh, and all that went into it. So um, I hope you enjoy this conversation with these two gentlemen as much as I did. And uh, I'll catch up with you guys after our conversation. All right. I have two amazing individuals here with me. As uh, the title denotes, and as I said in my introduction, Sean Clayton and Nathan Franz, how are you gentlemen this evening? Doing good. You look uh, much fresher than I would expect. Uh, you're, what are we, uh, three days removed from your finish? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. Um, and we're going to talk all about this Palmetto Trail and where this came from and what it is. But um, why don't we start with a little bit about each of you? Um, Sean, you want to start us off and just kind of tell us about you? Um. Yeah, uh, nothing special about me. I'm not really like a professional athlete or anything. Uh, dad, husband, I go to school at USC. Um, two awesome kids. Uh, work a job at UPS. Um, I like fitness, anything fitness. I've done American Ninja Warrior, uh, obstacle races, anything that I can push my limits on. So like ultra marathons lately, it's just been that thing. <laughs> when did you get into ultra marathons? I think I did my first one. I mean, it was probably about 10 years ago. I did a 50 miler and then I'd always wanted to do a hundred, but I'd just been kind of focusing on obstacle races and then in 2020 when all that shut down i was like all right like i'm gonna i'm gonna find 100 and so i did 100 then i did a 48 hour so then i was just looking for the next big thing <laughs> how far did you get in the 48 hour 133 miles nice. i finished second in that one cool very cool yeah. awesome uh anything else everybody should know about you i think so there's not a lot <laughs> pretty boring day to day <laughs> right on how about you, Nathan? Um, about the same. No, not a professional athlete. Just uh, I started really running in probably my late 20s. Um, met Sean. We kind of met in obstacle course racing. That's kind of what kind of threw me into running a little harder. Um, I started doing well, and it just made me more enthusiastic to to run more and to see how far I could, what I could do. Um, and then I met you along the way and, you know, you're my coach and have, have got me through a lot of years and, um, I owe a lot to you. I just want to appreciate you. Um, and, uh, but then did, uh, some ultras got into that. We tried that out and a few didn't go too well. And then <laughs> finally broke that hundred and under 24 hours. And that one really let me know, you know, could do more. And uh, did Boston last year and did really well there. That was that was a big goal. And so after that, it was just like, what's next? And 
you know, that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> All right on. So, uh, you know, we've already mentioned that, you know, this whole thing was about the Palmetto Trail, but some folks may not know what that is. Can you, what one of you elaborate as to what the Palmetto Trail is, length, distance, what are we talking surfaces? You know, just give us a good description of what the Palmetto Trail is. Uh, yeah, this kind of started like, so we were kind of, me and Nathan have been like talking about like what was next, you know? And um, so obviously started looking at the 200s. Uh, when you just start to look at those, like the prices, they're super expensive. Uh, just the race entry fees. And then you got to fly a crew out, places to stay. So I just kind of like started looking around at trails. I was like, well, what kind of long trails are there around here? And uh, I'm in South Carolina, so I had heard about the Foothills Trail. I was like, okay, you do like an out and back on that, maybe like 150-something miles. And then I heard about the Palmetto Trail. And I was like, okay. And I looked it up. It says it's like 350 miles of trail. And this is how not professional athletes we are. We're like, all right, 350 miles of trail. Uh, we could do that. And then I'm like, well, let's look up the record. And it's like 11 days or something. like. I'm like, oh, we could even beat that record, you know, 350 miles and and. 11 days that's easy so like on their website it says completed trails so we were under the impression these are like actual trails but they're like completed trails actually a lot of road so like uh then we find out like not only that but they're not all connected so the 350 miles isn't connected you have to connect those with another 150 miles of road so like it's too late we've already been planning this thing you know and so we're like, all right, well, 500 miles, it's still possible to beat that record. And that's like kind of where it all started. <laughs> right on. Um, it's, I mean, South Carolina, obviously, uh, on, you know, Nathan and my side of, of this, of South Carolina. So, you know, the, uh, the mountainside here, it's very different, uh, you know, kind of like North Carolina in that regard. Um so how was it uh, so far as like elevation gain? Like how long did you stay within the mountains and then, you know, turn more into kind of like um, you know, rolling hills or what, how did that transition? Um, we had about a hundred miles in the mountains. Uh, started near Seneca, South Carolina. Is that right, Sean? Yeah. yeah. Seneca, South Carolina and went kind of very similar to the foothills went along the north carolina south carolina border does use the foothills trail at times um and then comes back down through um the towards the upstate uh jones gap and then after that it becomes pretty rolling to flat so about 100 miles is all we really had in the mountains um i think what was the totals on the elevation, Sean, that you got? Uh, it was somewhere around like 30,000 feet of gain. I can't remember exactly. It was over 30,000 by the time we were done, but like most of that was in the beginning. I think like the first three days we had hit like 26,000 feet of gain or something like that. So there's it wasn't much after that. Gotcha. Okay, and then that's 30,000 for the total 500 miles. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Correct. So, and then, you know, you kind of started mentioning starts in Seneca, starts going, you know, kind of falls through the, the Fidel's Jones gap. What, um, did you go through some, some major cities? Yep. We went through, uh, Spartanburg, Newberry, Columbia, you even go through like Fort Jackson. Um, but those are like the main cities like Spartanburg. I mean, most of that day was just running through like Walford college and stuff like that. Like just all around through Spartanburg. 
uh, mostly pavement. Same thing for Newberry. You just go through like uh, downtown Newberry. Like one of the days, like the trail literally like went right by our hotel. So we just ended that day like right there. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then Columbia, just right through the middle of Columbia, through like USC and all that. Right on. Um, you, and you, you kind of touched on like why you chose, you know, the Palmetto, but, um, you know, looking at some of the other things like mountains to sea trail, for instance, and stuff, was there something that resonated more with Palmetto or was it more just like you, you felt like the FKT was more attainable or. Um, I know for me, it was definitely, you know, more attainable. Uh, the mileage was more attainable for one. I mean, part of the reason I, you know, was interested in, in it was, the mountains of sea and possibly Appalachian trail and things like that have always kind of piqued my interest to do, um, and to complete at some point. And this was definitely the most, uh, the shortest full state trail that, um, I had come across and you still get to do the mountains. You're still in the mountains. some, and, you know, and I like the ocean. So you get to in there. So that was kind of a cool thing. You're still doing mountains to sea, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, just not in North Carolina, and a lot shorter. <laughs> so you know, that seemed uh, much more feasible. And then when we heard the FKT was actually within our realm or we, you know, thought it was, then it just made it that much more exciting and seemed doable. Cool. And so touching on the FKT itself, um, you mentioned it was 11 days, correct? That was previous 11 days, 15 hours, 11 days, 15 hours. And who held that guy named Sean Martin. Um, I haven't really seen much else. I don't know what else he does. I know he does ultras. I think Nathan found him on Strava, but, um, did you reach out to him at all just to kind of, I tried to, I couldn't even find him. He had like an Instagram link. Um, and I couldn't find him on Instagram, not the link that he had posted for his FKT or anything. I think Nathan tried to reach out to Strava, right? Yeah. I, I didn't hear back. Okay. Uh, so we don't really know. The last I saw, I think the last post he made was, uh, on Strava, he was living in Colorado, I think. So he no longer lives on the east. Um, seemed like he was living in South Carolina when he made the FKT, cool. from what I can tell by Strava. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's talk a little bit about the the planning that went into this. Um, like, obviously, you couldn't really reach out to him for much information. So, um, where did you get your information from? How did you go about that? Um, we mostly got a lot of information. It was actually from him, just what he had posted on the FKT website. Okay. Um, you got to post a GPX file. Um, we kind of started with that. Uh, that gave us a good, you know, we could see kind of what he did and, and I could transfer it into other mapping options and see where he went. Um, and there was some questions. Uh, when we looked at the map, it looked like he did some loops that, weren't necessarily part of the trail. We didn't know what was going on with that. Um, so we ended up contacting the actual Palmetto Trail organization and talking to them. Um, we got some more information from them. When I first looked this up, their website was extremely vague. Uh, it didn't even have actual trail maps on it. It had one picture map of the entire trail. <laughs> um, but sometime between the first time I looked at it and Closer towards when we were actually doing it, they had updated with a lot of maps that were very helpful. We did get, to, I did talk to 
the organization's uh, she's the current CEO, the one who runs it. Um, she was helpful. And then another one of the guys who mans a lot of the trail um, of the mountains. And we ran through each section step by step, talked about it, what it was going to be like. Um, and that was extremely helpful. Unfortunately, with time, I wasn't able to talk to every section's person. Like each section had a person that was over it. So looking back, you know, if we would have done that, it might have been more helpful. We could have known more about how much road, you know, the research. We looked at the map and saw what, like Sean said, completed trail. And we made the assumption that it was actually trail (laughs) rather than getting it on the map and looking really close and seeing that this trail was asphalt. (laughs) So, um, but that's, you know, we got a lot of information from Sean from the FKT website. Um, he gave a day to day, day by day account of what he did, where he ended, how many miles he did, um, which really helped us set goals for every day because we knew if we did that many miles, we were at least we were with him or ahead of him based on what he had said. Um, so, you know, those that was very helpful. Uh, you know, I, I don't know Sean Martin, but, you know, if he's listening or hears this, you know, I just want to say thanks. Um, we you you set the record. And really, honestly, your information helped us be able to set the next one. So it's, it's, it's you know, then um, that's what records are. I feel like they're only something for somebody else to break. It's only another goal. You know, it's just like, you know, the merit Kipchoge. I mean, he has set marathon records based because somebody else set a record. You know, he broke a record that was already there and that's all they are. It's, it's a, it's a goal to reach. Um, and I think that's, that's, what's cool about running for anybody, anybody who's no matter what, where you're at running a 5k, a mile, whatever it is, you know, it's setting that goal for yourself and trying to reach it. And thankfully there's, you know, and FKT was attainable for us. So we, we set that goal for ourselves. Um, so yeah. Nice. Uh, Sean, anything to, to add on the planning, maybe, you know, touch on like, what did you think about um, for like daily distance or, or how'd you go about like going, uh, you know, and saying, well, I think this is achievable for us on a daily basis. Um, yeah. I mean, we had talked about 50 miles a day. That was um, the goal going in. Uh, it took us 10 and a half days. So like the average came out to like 47.6. So we were pretty close to that. Nice. Um, it was tough. We had some, we had some hard days where we got like a lot less mileage and then we just had other days where we made it back up. Um, what do you attribute yeah, that to? It was like very difficult. Like I was sleeping less during the planning than I did on the actual FKT time. Cause it's just like contacting uh, companies we're working with, trying to get support or contacting the people from the Palmetto association and just, uh, or just like trying to plan that stuff out. Um, it, it was stressful. Like the whole month of December was just like planning, planning, planning. And then I'm calling Nate at night and being like, Hey, did you order this? This is what I'm ordering. Um, so yeah, I mean, and like you have all these plans and then obviously it's like any ultra, you know, you go into it with this big plan and then like it all goes to crap somewhere and then it's just like fix it and try to, you know, figure out the rest of the way. Yeah. yeah. I definitely want to hear more about that. We will certainly, uh, dive a little deeper into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, those that listen to the podcast, um, I have talked about Nathan quite frequently as he's shared some of my adventures and Bigfoot was one of the big adventures he shared with me. He did pretty much half of Bigfoot with me. <laughs> um, 
Nathan, from that experience, did you pull anything um, for this adventure? Yes, that was probably honestly one of the most helpful things. I was so glad to get to be a part of that, um, not just for you, but for myself. I saw what it would feel like to, to run multiple days for longer distances um, and also just the food prep. I got to see the aid stations that were there, what was easy to prepare, what was easy to digest. Um, and that was a lot of help, uh, how, how, how they were able to prepare things quickly. Um, and uh, just really get to experience that kind of distance and see it in action, not only in you, but in other athletes and just in the organization and everything. But yes, that was extremely helpful. And right um, when you guys were, you know, Sean, you were talking about how you were purchasing this and Nathan was purchasing that. Um, did you guys um, purchase a lot of like almost uh, pre, um, what do I say, pre-prepared food? Um you know, kind of like camp snow fuel, the or food. Did you go that route or how'd you? Yeah. Yeah. We did a lot of that. Um, originally we had planned to camp the whole way. Um, and we ended up not doing that. Like we did it the first night because, uh, we basically had to, we were in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. We camped there <laughs> and then we we're close enough to like, uh, different people that we knew that we could just, um, stay at their houses. Uh, after that first night, it took like two and a half hours in the morning just to get the camp all cleaned up and repacked. And we were like, we just can't waste the time doing that. It was just, it was just too much time. Um, so after that, we pretty much just decided that we were going to either stay in a hotel or stay at people's houses that we knew. Um, the food prep um, and buying all that. Yeah. We did um, tons of different like bars and stuff that were already. And then we did, we had done like some uh, eggs. We took some stuff for quesadillas uh, the pre-cooked bacon, uh, yeah, like a lot of stuff like that. Good. Nice. Um, can you also talk about, um, how you recruited crew and how much crew did you need for something like this? Um, because I'm sure there was not only crew, but some, some pacers and such. Um, can you talk about that and touch on that? Basically just like calling up our buddies and being like, Hey, look, we're trying to do this thing. Uh, can you guys support us? Like some of the days there was only one crew member for each day. Like obviously it would have been better, you know, to have multiple and then have people that could run with us. There was a couple days where we did have, um, like multiple crew, but for the most part, um, we ran a lot of it ourselves. It just, there wasn't really a whole lot of room for pacers and stuff like that, just because it was so hard to, get the people we needed we had at least one person per day um i think a lot of days it was just that it was just one person like i said mm -hmm. there's two where we got a couple there and it would be it was nice when we had a couple because then like somebody could run with us it's just like a fresh voice talking about anything to take our minds off of what we were doing <laughs> um but for the most part it's just like one person a day and it was like our friends that we just called up and we're like hey can you help this day and just scheduled them all out yep yeah yeah and it was uh, it we we tried to kind of plan it. Sean lives in you know Columbia near Columbia, South Carolina, so he's about halfway, a little more than halfway. And then you know I live in the northern part, so we we tried to make it to where you know the people I knew was in the northern side. You know helped us out in the beginning, and then people he knew towards the end. It mostly worked that way, but um, yeah, I mean we. we like he said, unfortunately, we couldn't get too many pacers just because it was it's also during the holidays. I mean, we we started on December 27th 
you know, two days after Christmas. So it's everybody, we didn't, you know, we knew people had families and they had stuff they were, they were trying to do just to be with their family. And here we're trying to ask for what a lot of people is time off that they don't normally have, you know, to take away from that and come help us <laughs> in the middle of South Carolina, nowhere and hang out in their car all day <laughs> and do for us, whatever we need. So, you know, it was, we were so grateful for everybody who helped, uh, you know, we can go later and talk about each, you know, there is so many people. I was just like, uh, how many people we have? Uh, it was 11, basically 11 days, 10 and a half days. And so we had probably 15 crew people. Does that sound about right, Sean? Yeah, it was somewhere around there. I mean, some guys yeah. did multiple days. Um, but my buddy Aaron, he did two different days. Uh, Jess was out there like four different days helping us like get onto Fort Jackson and stuff. Kayla was out there two days. Darun was there two days. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. How was it for their access? Was it, you know, could they get to you pretty easily? Talk about that for a moment. Uh, well, the first day, first couple days, our buddy Darun, so we talked about camping. He had a uh, Toyota Camry and we had, I mean, I had a mobile camp station, like what you would see at a ultra pop-up tent. We had a Coleman, like actual two burner stove, a propane tank. Each of us had a, like a, some kind of sleeping pad or mattress, uh, sleeping bags, clothes, all the food. <laughs> we, I had to sit on the center console to drive to the start line. There was no room in that thing. So there we had a picture out there. Okay. And oh, yeah, that was another thing. When we got to the start line, we couldn't get to the main start because the gate was closed because it was so early. So we had to <laughs> run an extra mile to get to the start. But Darun, so he, I mean, it was limited, more limited access there. We did end up using a lot of, uh, of our hydration vest because he couldn't see us for i don't know times of what nine ten miles sometimes yeah and then that night we were supposed to see him at like 52 or something like that i think miles something like that i don't remember but he couldn't get to this one road that was supposed to be a road but it wasn't accessible by car mm. and the one he did meet us on still probably wasn't accessible by car <laughs> Not by Camry. He got parked. <laughs> his Camry in the middle of the woods, nowhere. And this guy in a Dodge pickup, yeah, he says he just kind of looked at him and Tarun goes, let me guess. You're wondering why a Camry is out here and how I how it even got out here. <laughs> um, and he goes to proceed to tell him what's going on. And he's like, well, just make sure you don't block the roads. So it was, uh, that was a quite a comical night. Um and but he got in and got out he did not get stuck that was another thing we were like so worried that even if he got in there if he wasn't going to be able to make it back out right but that was just the the first few nights that was definitely more um challenging and sean if you want to talk about some of the other times yeah i know like that was big um and then like cell phone service in the mountains too so like at, at one point like he had to take a 45 minute detour because he couldn't get to where we were supposed to be yeah. so he had to take like a 45 minute detour um around the mountain and then like when he got to the place he like didn't have service so he was literally like running through the mountain trying to find a spot where he had service and uh finally got service to talk to us there's a couple other state parks like that where uh 
you know, we're supposed to meet somebody at this location and they just can't get to the road. because There's a gate there or whatever. Um, I mean, there were times where like, we like ran out of water and we just didn't have it. I mean, it was fine. You know, we were going to deal with it. Um, we knew that stuff would come up, but yeah, it was just like, we're supposed to meet this person in three miles and they're not going to be able to meet us for seven or eight. You know, it's just, you know, normal ultra stuff. You just got to deal with it. <laughs> right on. Um, well, you know, you mentioned your packs, uh, let's talk about your, your gear for a second. Um, what size packs were you using? It sounds like, you know, you were able to kind of see them pretty frequently. What was the longest stint you had to go without seeing someone? Um, uh, do you remember Sean? Maybe, I don't think it was more than 10 or 12 miles at the okay. most. Yeah, yeah. Probably would have been like 10 or 12 in the beginning. Yeah. Um, in those really? mountains for sure. So we're just using Solomon. I think they're the twelve set. Yeah, uh, advanced skin twelve. Yeah, okay. nice. and they weren't too weighed down. We just had two water balls and a. We kept water in our uh, bladder, but usually we only had to refill the bottles um, because we were starting in the mountains. So it was pretty cold, so you know we weren't going through water quite very. We're very frequently. We we're just mostly calories, is what. We're going through more of right on and how about um how about footwear did you uh need a, a wide variety of different types sean you want to um yeah i use four different shoes um i use the hoka speed goats um and hoka challengers for the trail and then um i use hoka bondi eights for the road and uh endorphin shift um Actually, the endorphin shift felt the best. I mean, I actually ended up running a lot of the gravel with those too. So I don't know, it was just personal preference thing. It felt good. So I went with good. that. Yeah. Um, I went with the Hoka Speed Goods as well. Um, used them a lot on the trails. And then the Bondi 8s, um, that was pretty much my only road shoe. Uh, and then I also had the um architerix ld3s i used those towards the end i uh, really like i mean basically they were all used pretty evenly i would say um throughout but yeah nice turn on very cool um so going through all of these um state parks and you had to go through um sounds like you had to go through a military base or near a military base um yeah. did you have to secure any permits we did. Yeah. For uh, Fort Jackson, you have to get a visitor's permit. Um, that was one of the things that uh, Sean Martin, he had like decided not to do. He said it was uh, difficult. It, I mean, it, it was, it took time, you know, it takes time out of your day and you have to hit it at a certain time. Uh, it just worked out. The timing was good. Um, we ran about 10 miles in the morning and then um, went over to Fort Jackson. We, uh, basically the way we had to do it because that gate that the actual trail goes through was closed. Uh, we ran up to the end of the gate. We took a picture on that side of it. Then we drove to gate two where the visitor center is, um, went inside there, got our permits. They do like a background check and everything probably took anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes. And then we drove around to the back side of that gate and then got as close to it as we could, took a picture right there and then uh, ran the rest of the way from there on the base. How about any of the uh, state parks? Did you have to, sorry, <laughs> any of the state parks? Did you have to get permits for? No, we didn't have to get any permits for those. Um, 
I think some of the South Carolina state parks, like if we would have had to stay there, we would have had to have permits, but mm. didn't have to have any day use or anything like that. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And there, I, su- I suspect there's no private property or anything like that, right? Uh, not really. There is the Palmetto trail borders a lot of private property. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, but you're never on private property. Um, but yeah, there, there's quite a few times where you are basically just in a strip of land that they have access to. Um, and there's, there was a lot of like strict, no trespassing signs on either side of the trail. Um, but yeah, there was no prep. There was technically one section of private property at the end that the trail appeared to go through. Uh, it was kind of weird because the map that we were given through the Palmetto Trail showed it going down this path. There were two obvious trail marking posts, but on the sides of them had no trespassing signs. But we're looking at the map and it says to go this way. And it was literally just crossed from one road to the other. And you could see the trail on the other side. So we just did it and it was probably no more than what 50 yards or something like that i mean it wasn't very far um yeah. at that point we were just you know this is what the map says so we're doing it <laughs> right on so um you know talking about the map talk a little bit about navigation was it all paper map did you use any um you know electronic apps or anything like that um well so i was the one that carried the phone the most of the time my pack held it which i found to be sometimes uh a large responsibility (laughs) as sean can well attest that i may have missed a turn or two um (laughs) and uh but we started out we had sean's uh gpx file which would actually open in a google maps file and then i also had put that into a gaia uh map so i could see his route on gaia and Michael Poole, who was also one of our uh, crew members, he had, I talked to him like three days before, not even like maybe a week. It was about a week before I was going to do this. The next thing I know, he's sending me like 50 mile sections on Strava that he had mapped out already. I mean, it, it, thanks, Michael, if you're listening. I mean, he was just awesome. I mean, and uh, so that was really helpful because I was able to transfer that data onto my watch. So we had it on my watch that I could watch it. We had it on the phone and also on the um, Google maps because it was kind of tricky because sometimes I could look on my watch and look like we were close, but sometimes there were roads that were right next to the trail. And if you weren't careful, you could get on the road and you look like you were on the trail. So the only way you could tell was to look on Gaia or Google maps and if we're talking about navigation, um, I guess we can go into some of the mishaps that we had. Um, one of the biggest ones was on day, that was day four, wasn't it, Sean, that we were going through Ennery? Trying to find the start again in the morning. Oh, I forgot about that one. Well, there was that one. <laughs> that yeah. was day four, yeah. You can go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, we... um thought we knew like exactly where we stopped at and we were like oh this is gonna be easy to like get back to and uh for whatever reason we just could not find that spot we were looking and it's so hard because you're kind of looking at two different maps you're trying to look at what's on Gaia and what's on like this Avenza app 
that uh the Palmetto we didn't have a business business. then we only had the maps that were on palmetto's website at that time right right so then was, we, was so we're like tricky. trying to look at that and we're trying to figure out what that looks like on google maps to try to find a road that gets back to that spot and uh we literally spent an hour driving around that morning like i i got car sick because we were like just flying around just trying to find the spots to i mean Day four was my toughest day for sure. It started out terrible. It ended in like so much pain. It was like a lot of road running and stuff that day. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was like a big thing. So from then on, like we knew to drop pins. Like every day when you finish, drop a pin so we know exactly where we're at. Yeah. And then I guess it was, it must have been day five that we we made it through what was our hell day, um, day four. And on day five, we were in the woods and entry passage, and we were um, not that far. No, it was Newberry. Entry to Newberry or something like that. Anyway, we had to end in Newberry that night, which is where our hotel was. And we were trying to finish this wood section. We're only maybe five, no, four miles from the finish of this one section. And we're getting ready to go down this road, and we get up to the turn, and Sean Martin, I see his path and it goes down this gravel road. And there's a sign there that says Palmetto Trail. But then right before that, there's another sign that says Palmetto Trail. And it's going in the woods on a trail. Huh. And so we, we we see that sign and we figure, well, maybe it just connects to this road. So we go down the trail, we get going, and we stop seeing any kind of markers. We're like, what what's going on here? And the only way, sometimes they would have trail markers, but they were so many trails intertwined that you had to look for the Palmetto trail specific marker. Like they would have like a badge that said Palmetto trail, their trail here in the mountains, we have, you know, the mountains of sea trail and it's always a white dot. Mm -hmm. We knew that. And so it's, it's easy to keep up with, but their trail markings were not always the same. They didn't have, they were normally, they were supposed to be like a yellow, like line with a dot at the top. It's kind of what they typically were, but they weren't always the same. So we go about, I don't know, a mile down this trail, and we're not sure if we went the right way. Because I can see Sean Martin's path like three-quarters mile away from where we are. We backtrack all the way back to make sure we both saw the sign to see if we're on the right path. And I don't know where to go. We're trying to set this record. We don't we don't want to miss the trail if it's supposed to be the trail. We don't want to not go on the road if the road's supposed to be the trail. So I had our, our buddy Jess Powell. He actually is now part of the Palmetto Trail organization. And so I call him up to see if he knows anybody that we can talk to to figure out what where we're supposed to go. Because they had mentioned new sections of trail. Um, so we call up him. He gets in touch with somebody. We were on the trail for probably 30 minutes trying to figure out where we're supposed to go. Finally, it was like an hour. It was an hour, dang. It was, not, it was so an hour later. I've come to find out there's they told us about this app called a Venza app. I've used a lot of mapping apps, never seen this one before. We download it and they said it has the most up-to-date trail information. Well, it's it was just kind of awkward the way it worked, but we were able to get it downloaded. And at that point, we saw that sure enough, this was a new section of trail. The road was also the trail. So you could, I don't know what is technically the correct way, but we went the trail because we figured trail is trail. That should be the way it is. Um, but we spent 
at least an hour, not to mention the extra mile and a half, two miles of backtracking trying to figure out where to go. Um, but after that, using the Avenza app, it, it's GPS coordinated on this. It's very strange. It's not like a full map. It's just like a picture of a map. And yet somehow it's GPS coordinated. You can see yourself on the map. Hmm. Um, and after that, we were able to stay pretty much on trail. It made it much simpler, helped our crew. We They could use the app as well and see where we were going to be because it had mile markers. Um, but that was a big learning experience, uh, not to mention the what Sean talked about, trying to figure out where to start. But now that we had this app, we were able to figure out where to go and what was the actual Palmetto Trail up to date. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like kind of what's so hard about it too, is because like the Avenza app. So we learned like that's the most updated thing that the Palmetto trail uses. So that is the most updated. That's what they're going to, when they make changes to the trail, it goes on there first. But even like looking at the website, the map they had on there still Mm -hmm. showed the road section as being the right way to go. And Mm -hmm. so like we were on the phone with them, uh, with the head chair and, uh, she's like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, either one it's like this isn't how records work like we need like the we need to do the right thing here it can't just be like oh well either one kind of works because the trail was actually about a mile longer like it added another mile plus we'd already ran down at like half mile ran back another half mile and then we're just waiting for an hour trying to figure out what to do that was a big one i think the biggest mistake that we made was on the day before um the last day it was uh day 10 um again we were running across a road didn't see any marking for a trail it looked like it followed the road the gps file looked like it followed the road we run down uh, a little over miles like 1.1 miles uh down and we hit this intersection and we see that the trail is going right and it's going left so we know that we were supposed to come in on that trail and we're sitting there like just having this debate because it's close like it looks like it's the same thing and we're like like Ultimately, it was like, you have to go back. Like, that's just what you have to do. So to do it right, you have to go back. And it's like one of those things where it's like, it's like heartbreaking in that moment because you've already ran, you know, 30-something miles during the day. Um, we're trying to make our last day easy. So, like, adding another two miles onto this right before dark. So, like, you, you wasted all that daylight. Um, we're not moving fast at that moment. We're, you know, we're doing, you know, anywhere from, like, 16 to maybe 18-minute miles um so it's like just a ton of wasted time and that was like tough that's like heartbreaking you got to turn around go do that and then do the right mile on the trail so but i mean it was just it's just part of it in in 500 miles you're gonna make mistakes i mean we it's a 485 mile trail we definitely went well over 500 miles by the time it was all done (laughs) right on um well if you guys would touch on the fact that you did this together um yeah, that's got to be difficult. Now, you're, you're two seem like pretty easygoing guys, <laughs> but for 500 miles, you're you're planning to stay together. That's got to be tough knowing that, you know, somebody's going to have a low at some point. You hope you don't have it at the same time. But uh, can you talk about that? You know, uh, Sean, go ahead. Yeah, um, I think it it kind of worked out. Because most of the times when I was in my low spot, he was doing all right. And most of the time, um, you know, when he was in a low spot, I was doing all right. So there was times where, like, he would have to wait on me or I would have to wait on him a little bit. 
but a lot of the times it ended up being one of us was going to push the pace more and just drag the other one along and it worked out honestly like it there was days where I did not feel like running and he was running so I was like well I guess I just got to pull together and, and try to run as much as I can and I mean I'm sure sometimes he slowed the pace for me and there were some times where I slowed the pace for him just knew like knowing when each other was like really really hurting um, but for the most part, I mean, I think it worked out. I know there were some times where I would have gone slower just to try and rest, but he was running. So I was like, well, I, I need to at least try and keep up. Did you communicate at any time, you know, like, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I need a moment just to, <laughs> to take it easy. Or did you guys just kind of like grit your teeth and bear it? Cause the other was, you know, grinding too. I think most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I honestly, like it was just like, we, like I could recognize when he was in a lot of pain, you know what I mean? So like maybe I wouldn't push it as hard. Um, I'm sure he did the same for me. Like we just tell when each other was in a lot of pain, um, but still like kept each other going, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to say the same thing as gritting. I mean, you know, I could tell it was the exact same way. I knew when he was in a lot of pain and, you know, we just, you try to be cheerful. You try to do everything you can to keep the mood up and keep moving and keep your mind on not the pain, you know, not anything else. And, uh, but yeah, you know, talking about lows, I know, you know, Sean talked about his lowest day was on day four and it was kind of ironic because <laughs> we had both posted about day four and he talked about how terrible it was. And my post was a little bit different. And, uh, you know, the night before on day three is really when it really hit me really hard. My, I mean, I was in a lot of pain. I, I, I called my wife, honestly, didn't know if I was going to be able to go the next day. I, I, I just told her, I was like, I'm just going to have to go to bed and hope that I can get up and keep going. I, I didn't know. I really didn't know. And, uh, so the next day I'm still in a lot of pain. I mean, a lot of pain, but I could move. And so to me, that was like, even though I was moving in a lot of pain, I was moving. I knew that I could move that day. I could make it through that day. And that was one less day, one more day forward. Um, and so that, that, that to me was good news. Um, but I think Sean, you know, he hit his on that day. So it was a little different experience for him, but overall, you know, like he said, we did, it just seems to work out so well that every time one of us, was low the other one wasn't and it you know i don't i don't really know what to attest that to <laughs> um you never want to think uh before you start something like this that you're not going to finish <laughs> but was there any communication to say like hey listen if if i can't make it for whatever reason like you should keep going or was it that we both quit was there anything said about that not at all we didn't nope. even talk about that. <laughs> Not if one of us is going to quit. I know, like, I'm very, like, honest with myself, like, when I start these things, like, when I just talk about them, you know, like, there's a lot of people like that are like, I'm going to go crush this race. Like, that's never me. Like, I just, I respect the distance. I, and uh, going into it, like, I knew, they're like, there's not a lot of people you can call up and ask, you know, what's it like to run 500 miles? And there's a reason for that, you know, because not a lot of people do that. Um so I knew it was hard. I knew going for a record when you've never even done like a 200 is kind of like almost arrogant in a way. Um, but like, I knew, like, I know, like I'm, I'm good at suffering. 
like when it comes to suffering, I can do that well. And so I just, I knew that I was going to give it all I had. And, um, I did think about it. I was like, man, like I, I'd never thought about like, what if Nathan quits, you know, it was always like, what if I can't make it? That's mm -hmm. what I was always thinking. Um, cause he did like, he carried the map a lot and stuff like that. So, um, there was times where I was thinking, man, like what if, what if he does have to quit or something like that? That'd be bad. But like, there was no communication between us, like about like, if I can't make it, you go ahead or anything like that. It's just like, we can't keep going. Yep. I, I can attest that Nathan can make the most comfortable uh, bedding in uh, in nature. Um, <laughs> sleep was my nemesis in Bigfoot. And, um, you know, on a, a journey like this, a journey run like you guys did, I mean, you were afforded some sleep. Can you talk about what that was like? How, how much sleep did you get? Uh, what was that like for you guys? So we, our original plan you know, and in a perfect world, our hope was to get 50 miles in 12. My hope was 12 to 14 hours. Mm -hmm. um, we knew 16 hours might be a possibility, but obviously the longer we're out there, less sleep we're going to get. Um, in the beginning, we got, I think, maybe six hours, five or six hours that first night. Um, and then we had to make it up another night to try to keep going but overall we tried to keep our days at about 12 to 13 hours is what we ended up figuring out seemed to work the best for us um after about day five i think it was is that right sean that we took the long sleep um yeah, i think one day we did we had something that was like seven and a half hours or something like that just to, i think uh, we knew we were like one day ahead or something like that so we actually stopped a little bit early was that the day we had seth come over my physical therapist or was that a different day no it was a different day so we did i think it was on uh it was the day after a really bad day so it was day four day night four we slept in more than we had um we were at that hotel and i just remember we set the alarm we had been setting the alarm for i think like five something and that day we set it for like six something um but i think that was when we kind of realized that you know, that's how many hours we needed to be on the trail. And more than that, more than 13 hours was just more than our bodies wanted to handle. We both just kind of started breaking down. Um, we never did naps on the trail. We never did. We really, honestly, after day probably three, we realized that we can't take breaks. We didn't have time for it. I mean, our pits were, we had usually one pit that may have lasted 20 to 30 minutes. I was like, if we change shoes. Yeah. And sometimes we didn't even do that. But for the most part, we were taking five to 10 minutes getting food, getting water, and just keep moving. It just was too much time otherwise. Yeah. Trying to maximize daylight really was like a big thing. Just try to make sure when we get on the trail, like it's right at daylight. Um, and then we would usually, it would be dark for a little bit. Uh, we usually try, like, towards the end, we're trying to be on the trail at like, between seven and seven thirty, and then finishing usually around eight to eight thirty. And with that schedule, you guys had mentioned earlier that there were some days where maybe you came under your, you know, projected fifty miles, and you had to make it up on other days. Was that due to the fact that you were trying to limit the amount of hours that you were putting in during the day, or was it uh, 
other reasons. I mean, there's a million different things could pop up, but um, you know, what 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 happened in that regard? I think the the biggest one was day four, and that was just the pain we were in mm. uh, from that day. Um, I was still like pushing pretty good on day four, like so like my walk speed, like I was pushing pretty hard, but it was like it was all road that day. It rained on us almost all day. Um, and I was just in a ton of pain. And so it just like, it just slowed our miles way down. Um, that was the only day we actually, we actually lost miles to the FKT. We weren't under it, but like, I think we'd gone into that day with like a six mile lead. We just knew that based off of where he stopped from his blog. And we ended the day with only like a two mile lead, but we knocked out like a huge chunk of road section. Um, and we're able to get on trails for 30 miles the next day. Um, pain it's um it's ever present oh <laughs> uh, so you mentioned day four is when you were in extreme pain you still have six plus days uh, behind that what were those six days like i think it was uh let's see so like day four was very painful um day five I would say like day five, six, and seven were still like like pretty painful. Once we got into like day seven though, our bodies were like I felt like they were adapting. Like our ankles were still swollen. Um, there was still pain, but like it was like our bodies were functioning a little better. Like even like sleeping at night. Like I wasn't waking up drenched in sweat like I was the first few nights and stuff. It was like our, our bodies were actually starting to get used to it. Um it was kind of weird. Like I like studying pain and looking, looking stuff up like that. You know, like, you know, it's a signal from your brain. Um, it was weird. It's like the front of my shins or what had just been like on fire, like that whole time they were in, in so much pain. And there was a day, I think it might've been day seven. Um, but it was like, like this, like the front of my shins have been on fire for days and just hurt. And then like, it was like, my brain was like, all right, this isn't going to stop him. Let's try this. And so like, I had this blister on my pinky toe and it would like, so like all the pain just goes away in my shins and like my pinky toe is like on fire. Like it's just <laughs> dipped in acid. Uh, and that goes on for like maybe 20 minutes and like my brain's like, all right, this isn't working. So like it went to my Achilles and my Achilles was like on fire for like 30 minutes. And then after a while, like it went, everything just went down to like a five or like a four pain. And after that it was like, you know, pretty manageable, like five, six, you know, it was the most it ever got to. It was, it was a weird thing. Like it's just like all went like almost all went away one day. Um, not completely. There's still a lot of pain. Uh, but it was after like being at a nine pain on day four, like it was just so a five six was so much more. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of like pain, I was just here a funny story. So on day four was our really bad day. And the next day we both were feeling really tight. But we started moving. We got back on trail, so we we're happy about that. And we get going, and then all of a sudden, we both just feel like we can start running. And so we're running through the trails, and we're just, like, all excited. We're going, we're running, we're running. <laughs> and we had just come through this section where we made a turn, and, and then all of a sudden, we realized we're right back where we were. We did this loop. <laughs> We, we went the wrong way. We missed the turn. And so we had just ran, but we missed, like we did this, I don't even know, like half mile loop that we didn't need to do. So it was just kind of anti, very anticlimactic. 
we're running again, but we ran the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, you know, going through pain, I mean, talk about step one of the day, right? So, you know, you've, you've, you've gone through a 13 hour day, you've made 50 miles, you went to sleep, you woke up, you're getting up. Uh, I want to talk about your routine too, but like, let's just talk about the first step. What did that feel like each day? Did that get easier or did you just feel like, you know, I just need to take that first step and then the rest is going to take care of itself. I know for me, after that night that I had where I really questioned being able to start again, I woke up the next day and everything hurt. It was tight. It was still swollen, but I could move. Um, and I think after that day, every morning you felt almost the same way. It still hurt. Everything was still swollen, but it was like, you knew that I just have to get moving and then once I get moving, I'm going to be able to go. I'm going to be able to continue. Um, so you just you you found out that, you know, these all these signals, they're there, but they're going to go away. You know, you just have to keep moving. But it's still I mean, it was we, we talked about it often that how hard every day was, um, you know, even our rest time really wasn't rest time because you get at the hotel or wherever you're staying. You got to make you got to get your shower. You got to make sure everything's ready for the next day. Make sure we've talked to the crew for the next day. Uh, we were trying to get in. We had like uh, recovery boots like the um, rapid reboot and Norma Tech. Um, we tried to get into those to try to help the swelling go down, um, get to sleep and then get up. You got to eat breakfast quickly. Get out the door. Um, Sean can attest that my eating and schedule is a little slower than his. Um <laughs> Thankfully, there was one of us that was like a little bit more on point with the time. And that was Sean, by all means. Um, so, you know, it, it just there was constant, you know, no rest. Even the rest sometimes didn't feel like rest. So, Sean. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I agree with that. Of uh, Just constantly trying to figure out how you're going to do it the next day and, and trying to get ready for that. Like you said, I mean, so many of the days it's like, we're like towards the end of our days, a lot of them we're walking or jogging and we're on the phone with the, with the crew for the next day being like, Hey, this is what's working. Uh, this is what's not working for us. This is where, um, this is how many miles we'd like to meet you. Um, this is where we're going to be. Like it's, it was literally like that at the end of our days, we're still on the trail going and still having to coordinate with the next day's crew um that's just one of like the the things you have to deal with when you don't have a dedicated crew or something like that um and then yeah you get back it's like you know trying to get everything ready for the next day uh if you got to move to another hotel then you got to pack everything up or as much as you can um yeah i mean it, it was rough <laughs> it sounds like you made it sounds like you made quite a routine and started to iron it out and smooth it out. Um, anything that you would add to that routine? Um, you know, Nathan, you kind of started touching on it, but what became the, you know, the morning ritual and the night ritual? Uh, Sean? Uh, a lot of Skittles. Uh, <laughs> that's our <laughs> ibuprofens. <laughs> uh, generally, let's see how we'd end the day. Um, 
depending on how far we had to drive, um, I would try to like uh, either contact the crew or at least like we had like a group text message, just text the crew, tell them how things are going. We're still making it, you know, how the day went. Um, sometimes try to get in like a social media post while we're driving back if I had time um, because there were sponsors and stuff like that involved. We just want to keep everybody updated. Um, so people are following along. We get back, um, try to get a shower. Usually, like, our crew was, like, very gracious and would, like, go get us food and stuff like that, uh, you know, whatever we wanted, and bring it back to the hotel room while we were getting showered and stuff like that. Um, try to, like I said, try to get in the Normatec boots. Um, usually, I would try to spend at least 30 to 45 minutes in those. Towards the end, my legs were so painful, I couldn't even do it anymore. Um, and actually, the last few days, like, I was just trying to get sleep. Like, I was so tired. Um I didn't even get it, and I would just try and get, like, a few hours of sleep instead. Um, and then we'd wake up in the morning. Um, I don't know if we were going to have an early day, early start, or if we had – sometimes we had, like, longer drives to um, the start location. Sometimes it would be, like, 40 minutes to the trail um, from where we were staying. Um, we'd have to wake up. We'd – either eat somewhere like uh we ate dunkin donuts a couple times just getting like a breakfast sandwich and some coffee uh other days our hotel um had food out we'd eat there um nathan would have like three plates of food and i feel like dude like we've got to go man we ain't got time for all that um and so we'd eat there we'd get uh we'd get to the trail uh throw on some sports slick uh, take 800 milligrams of ibuprofen and uh, usually it seemed like after, like maybe 30 minutes it took to warm up like we'd be walk like we just kind of walk um, maybe jog a little bit just try to get everything warmed up there were some days like one day like my knee was in like a lot of pain his too like there was just days where like we just got up and our knees just in a lot of pain and then you know you move it for 30 minutes and it just goes away so I'm um, just getting warmed up and getting going that's that was pretty much it for 10 days. Yeah. Um, talk about when you were, you know, going along here. Um, did you have any dangerous encounters? And that could be in the way of vehicles or anything like that as well. Anything that you guys came across? Um, we didn't really have any serious dangerous encounters that I can come up with. Uh, I mean, well... We we did have a couple road sections that really kind of sucked as far as there wasn't much of a shoulder and it was dark. So, you know, it, it was definitely not fun. Um, we had lights on, but you had semis and but we never really had any major instances where we felt like we were going to get killed, I guess. But uh, as far as wildlife goes. And the worst thing we saw was an owl and some, we did see a couple of alligators, but they were nowhere near us. I can't think of anything else. Sean, is there anything you can think of? Um, Yeah, nothing real. I mean, there was like a couple dogs that got like oh, yeah. kind of close, um, but not like, not like close enough to us. You know, you just stare them down, hold them up at them and, and they stayed you know, far enough away. Um, Right on. How about anything else um, that may have uh, you talked about how, uh, you know, crew couldn't get to through a gate and had to go around. Um, you obviously missed some turns and stuff. Anything else that, you know, you could think of that 
went kind of awry for you? Should we tell the uh, ran the wrong way story, Sean? <laughs> so, one of our crew members. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So one of our crew members, me, just to, you know, let everybody know we had crew from everywhere. Like it was, some of these people were not runners, didn't have any idea what ultra ultra running crewing was like. We were just people who were willing to help. And we were extremely grateful for it. But he, this, this one guy, he crewed for us and we were supposed to meet him at this specific spot. You know, we we're trying to get three to five miles because what we learned after we got out of the mountains was that we had uh, like waist belts that had a water bottle. And that's what we tried to carry all the time. No more vests, as little weight as we possibly could have. And so we had to meet the crew three to five miles to refill our water bottles. Um, and this day it had gotten warm and we, we were about out of water and we were supposed to meet him. And he calls me and he's like, are you here? Uh, such and such. And we're like, no, that's like, that's another three to five miles from where we're at. So that would have put us on the trail at like seven ish miles without meeting crew, which is a, which was a long time at that point. And um, so we're like, well, I guess we'll just have to meet you there. And we're running along and we come to this intersection and here's his truck and he's not there. But Thankfully, the truck didn't have a camper top or anything on it. So all of our gears in the back. So we were able to refill our water bottles and get get food. And we realized what he had done was he ran the wrong way down the trail. Oh. So we were going one way and he was so it was kind of funny. We ran into him later <laughs> and he knew what had happened. It was just kind of funny, but it all worked out because the truck was there. We still got our stuff, but it's just stuff like that. It just, you know, happened and. I can't think of any other really major things like that, but that was a pretty, pretty comical. It was a comical relief, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, when did you guys allow yourselves to believe that the FKT was attainable? Wasn't within reach? What day was that? Are you, you talking know? about like 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 when we started going for like before or like when we were on trail? No, when you're on the trail, you know, and you're you're getting later and later into this, you know, event, and uh, you're like, you know, this this is probably going to become a reality. Well, at what point was that? I think that that was probably the day that Ryan was crewing. Um, yeah. Can't remember what day that was, but I almost made a post about it because. Um, something changed like in our conversation yeah. um we were just going along the trails and um like without even realizing it, we started saying like when when we finish this like how are we going to do this like how's how's garmin going to track this like we just started talking about it for like no uh reason but like i realized then it wasn't like an if it was just going to be like you know when when we yeah. finish like um i i want to say that was probably around like day eight or something like that um but we were like, all right, like, I, th I think we're, you know, we're going to be able to do this. Yeah, it was, a, that was the same day we, um, that actually, like he said, the same day that that story I just told happened. And later that day, we were, that specific day, we had two crew members, one for the morning and one for the evening shift. That was another thing is like some days we had two people, but they weren't always two people for the whole day. Mm -hmm. Um so that was another challenge is just 
working out, you're having to talk to two different people for the same day. Um, but we ended up meeting the second crew person and this uh, state official or something is going through where we're parked to get our change shoes. And uh, he says that we tell him what we're doing and you could tell look on his face. He just thought we were too dumb guys running way too far why are you doing this to yourselves he even said i think i don't know why y'all do this to your bodies and he said i remember when the last guy came through here and he could hardly walk <sighs> and then it was supposed to rain the next day and we so we had to get to the certain point to get through the swamps and he's like well that's pretty far away and it was like 30 something miles and we'd already done 20 and then that night we did make it to that point um, and when we did that, that was the day, sorry, that's my dog. Um, that, that day we managed to put the full day on the record at that point. Um, and it just, that was, a we'd already had the boost, but then after that, we just knew that we, we had this, I won't say in the bag, but it was just a matter of when. Nice. Yeah. It's hard to say because you're still like, you still got like a hundred and 50 or whatever miles to go so it's still a lot of miles but we're just kind of like all right like i th i think we can actually do this that's pretty cool um when we do an ultra usually we're we're by ourselves right we're we're making um a more of an individual effort we may have crew like you know nathan when you shared your my experience at bigfoot you know, there's a, there's a team camaraderie, but you two are going at this at the same time. That dynamic has to create some kind of um, kind of motivation that you know you don't want to let one another down. Can you talk about how it helped your drive, especially later as it got harder and the days were getting tougher and you were getting more battered? Um, would you care to share on that, Sean? Yeah, um, I think. I mean, that was definitely a big deal, just knowing, like, all right, Nathan's still going, like, I like I got to go. Um, you definitely don't want to let each other down. I mean, you don't want to let anybody down. There's brands involved. There's uh, the crew members that sacrifice their days out there already. Um, so you don't want to let anybody down. Um, and, yeah, just, uh, you know, having him out there, like I said, it was good. It was like there was days where I knew I was struggling, but I also knew I was drafting off of him. You know, like I knew, like, all right, he's still going. Like I can just I can just keep drafting right behind him. And I, I would just watch his steps, and I'd be like, all right, just keep stuff with him. Just keep stuff with him um, and just keep on going. Yeah, I could just the same thing. There were days uh, that I couldn't run, and – so we had this thing that basically he has this pace. Sean has this ability to walk a sub 15 minute mile, like 14 something. I think at one point we clocked somewhere around 1430 while he was walking, walking. <laughs> and I don't know, you may not be familiar with how bad that is, but that's extremely difficult to do <laughs> unless you have practiced it with Sean. Most of his training was, was rucking. So that's what he was familiar with. And I am more familiar with like a run walk style. And, but there were days that I couldn't run and I had to keep this pace with him. And, you know, I am so grateful that he could do that because he still kept us on pace and it wasn't as detrimental to our bodies. Like I, I didn't hurt as bad, but it was just really hard physically 
to push myself to those kind of paces uh, while walking. Um, but yeah, it just, you know, we didn't have pacers, but like we said before, it just always seemed to work out so well that when one of us was down, the other one wasn't. And we were able to pace each other the whole time. Right on. Um, I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to reflect on it. And we're going to come back to it, but I want you to think about it for a second. So what was your biggest lesson from this experience? What was your biggest takeaway? So I want you to think on that for just put it in the back of your brain for a moment, let it ruminate. And I'm going to ask you a separate question here. Um, so um, as you look back on the experience, you, know, you, you talked about earlier that, you know, you'd wish you'd known there was more road sections, right? Um, but what other things would you wish you had known ahead of time that could have made this a little bit easier for you? Got any ideas, Sean? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, like, as we got through, like, I think after, like, day four or something or day three, we realized, like, we weren't going to camp anymore. It was just too much stuff. Uh, I don't know. I mean, because we, like we had to camp the first night. There's just no, like we were in the middle of nowhere. We had to camp. Um, I mean, so maybe knowing that a little bit earlier would have helped like plan hotels and stuff. Um, maybe would have taken a little less stress. But even like that, I would just call my wife you know, and be like, hey, look, we're going to need a hotel around here. Um, if you can book that for me, then that'd be great. Uh, I mean, yeah, it sounds like it certainly sounds like everything, you know, like I said, you, you problem solved really well. Um, you know, then there doesn't have to be anything that you would change. It's there anything that could make it better. Cause I mean, that's part of ultra running, right. Is kind of res solving on your feet. Like you were talking about, Sean. Um, the only thing that go away with is do more research on your, your trail, <laughs> your, your trail, you know, yeah. your trail. Uh, we, right, right. we just, I mean, I looked at maps a lot, but I never really stopped to look exactly where it was going. I just assumed that if it said trail, it was going to be trail. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, that's probably the biggest thing that I, I take away is that it, to just do a little more research on your route. Um, but it just took so much time. 500 miles is a lot to go over. I mean, and it just, yeah. So right on. Um, so let's, let's hear, what was the, the final tally, your final FKT? Go ahead, Sean. It was like, it was 10 days, 11 hours. I can't remember the exact minutes. Um, but it was like, it was over like a day and four hours over the previous record. You beat the old record by a day and four hours. That's incredible. That's amazing. You too. Um, so let's let's go back to the the question. What was your biggest takeaways? What was your biggest lesson from this? You want to start, Nathan? Um, my biggest takeaway, I think, would have been it just honestly, you know, it was kind of weird. We talked about this once, but the day every day we, we had to get up and we had to push ourselves. And we didn't want to do it. And we kind of joked occasionally, um, 
<laughs> how we said, remember when we used to do things for fun? Remember when <laughs> we used to ride in cars? And, you know, as strange as it is, it, it made me see how important just the simple things in life are, you know, how, how we took for granted just being able to sit down and drink a cup of coffee um, without having to just hurry up and drink it. <laughs> and it, it, it was just little things like that, that we take for granted. And it was strange that this experience showed me that. Um, honestly, I, I did not expect that. Um, you know, I expected to enjoy the run and be grateful to be out there running. And I was, but it was the bigger thing was just enjoying every minute of the time you have, you know, period being with your family, being at home, not having, you know, we even joked, like um, I said, you know, I just want to pet my dog. You know, I just want to do these little things that we, we take for granted, but are so important to us that without realizing putting, being put in a situation where you, you don't have a, I say you don't have a choice. We had put ourselves in a place where we didn't have a choice. Um, But just to do this one thing and we couldn't take time off to go enjoy the little things in life. So yeah, that was my biggest takeaway. Very nice. I like that. Sean? Yeah. Um, I would I mean, I would say something similar. Uh you just you're so much more thankful for the regular things in life. And I mean, like I've done the hundred miles and stuff like that. And like when you're it's a little different when you're doing it for like the ten days, you know, and just like waking up and you just like the mental battle is just like it's so crazy when you you're on day three 150 miles in you're like i have to wake up for another week and i have to do this every single day um and so like i mean you know it teaches you a lot about yourself it teaches you a lot of what, what you're capable of it teaches you um how much pain you are able to push you like i was genuinely worried like i don't know what stress fractures feel like i've never had any but like on that day four like the pain that was radiating through my body. Like, I just didn't know, you know, what that was. But now I know like, Oh, I can push through that. That's something that I can push through when maybe a lot of people would have probably been like, eh, I don't think I'm pushing. This. Um, I was telling Nathan while we're out there, it's like, we're on, like, there's a different level now. Like we went through one level and now we're on like another one where like, we've just learned more, not like in a sense of like, we're better than people, but just in a sense of like, you know, we've reached a new level of life where we pushed through something that was just so insane. Um, so, I mean, that was a big deal to me. Um, and then, like you said, again, just those small things. You're just so thankful. You, you can let a lot more things go when you know just, like, how bad it can be. And, like, so you well, at least I don't have to run 50 miles a day or for the next seven days, you know. Um, I know me, i just been, you know, like you said, sitting here drinking coffee with my wife and stuff in the mornings is just so good be able to do that and play with my kids play xbox with them or something and not have to stress about trying to coordinate this big old thing it's been nice it's fantastic um i'm sure you guys have you know multiple folks to thank do you want to take a minute and and say some thank yous yeah um like think i'll start michael pool caleb gander Tarun. Barzanchi, I probably said his name wrong. Uh, he's gonna kill me. Um, let's see, Jess Powell, uh, Michael Garcia. All right, Sean, you can take some. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a trying to remember. I'm actually like pulling up the tags on my phone to make sure I don't forget anybody because I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, Jess Powell, uh, Joe Scott, Darun, uh, Aiden, uh, Micah, Caleb, Daniel, uh, Jonathan, let us stay at his house, Preston, let us stay at his house, my physical therapist, Seth Morris, he came out and uh, helped us one day, just trying to get our ankles feeling good. Ryan Spillman, Aaron Maybach, Dave Dean, um, and then the brands that supported us, Exoskin, uh, RMA, Trueform, and then uh, King Kong Apparel, just huge thanks to them for supporting us yeah. through this. And then, of course, um, you know, my wife, Haley, for putting up with all my crazy antics. <laughs> goals. <laughs> she, she goes through a lot trying to deal with things. I'm definitely appreciative of her. Yeah. I think my wife, too. Jessica, she helps fund all this craziness and uh but yeah and you know, i personally you know i'd like to you know thank my lord jesus christ you know he's the one that gave me the abilities and uh, i you know as a christian just want to give honor to him because that's you know where i come from good for you um any final thoughts fellas anything you want to close out with I don't know, man. I just, uh, you know, just want to encourage people just to go out and push for this stuff. Uh, I mean, I remember when I first learned about ultras, like I, I heard about uh, Dean Karnazes, and I was like, that's the craziest thing. That guy runs 200 miles like by itself. Like, yeah. I'd never heard of ultras, you know, like, like I just can't believe that there's somebody out there that does it. And like now I know, you know, there's lots of people that go out there and do that. But uh, I mean, I've had people messaging me now, like, oh, man, I saw you do that. Like, now I want to try 100. I mean, I, I would say go for it. It's life-changing. Uh, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, make a small. There's other people that have been like, hey, man, I, I want to go run a 10K. Like, dude, it, you don't have to run 500 miles. If a 10K is your goal, go crush a 10K. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, if that's how you push your limits, then push your limits with that. But um, definitely find a way to get uncomfortable and uh, push yourself out of side, outside of the things that you usually think aren't capable of yeah i would definitely agree with sean just find those things find those goals um that's the biggest thing for me is just setting that goal and it allows it really is a stress reducer because uh, it keeps your mind on this this goal that you're trying to achieve when you're training when you're uh whatever the physical training is even if it's not running even if it's just some kind of strength training you know whatever it is you set this goal to attain and i think you know just go after it with everything in you and, and it will it'll do a lot for you mentally and obviously physically the physical benefits are just just a part of it so yeah i thank you both and i congratulate you each once again that is a amazing thing to follow I'm very happy for you um how can folks connect with you sean uh, my main one is going to be Instagram, uh, S-E-A-N, Sean A. Clayton. Uh, that's mainly what I use. I don't really use any other social media that much. Yeah, I am would say the same thing. Mine is uh, Nate, N-A-T-E underscore O-C-R underscore 85. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is through Instagram. So Awesome. You guys are incredible. Did an incredible thing there. 
So thank you for sharing your story and, and bringing uh, some inspiration to a lot of folks. Appreciate you both. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for bringing us on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. And, and thank you, Coach. Congratulations to Nathan and Sean. Um, I will put their contacts, uh, how to connect with them in the show notes. Uh, what a amazing accomplishment. I've really enjoyed watching Nathan uh, grow in this uh, sport of ultra running. Uh, as I said in the interview, Nathan has been a part of a lot of my adventures. When I did the out and back on Art Lube, Nathan was there with me every step. Um, he was there for a hundred miles of Bigfoot, uh, 87 technically pacing. And then he ran the last 13 miles to the finish. He passed us, um, Morgan Elliott was actually pacing me the last 13, but, uh, Nathan finished it off so he could get a hundred, uh, absolutely incredible. So much fun. And so proud of, uh, the two of them just for what an effort. It's so cool. So loved hearing that story as I hope you did. So far as everything that's going on here, um, I am, I am overwhelmed and um, <laughs> surely just um, stupefied by how many people uh, are reaching out about coaching. Um, it's amazing. Um, I have some, you know, good resources that I can turn to people right now. Um, you know, other coaches that I can, I can turn you to. Uh, but I apologize. I am absolutely um, full. <laughs> beyond capacity. I have more athletes now than I have ever had. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough balance. Uh, you know, I never want to turn an athlete down. Uh, that's, a, that's the hardest thing to do. Um, but I really want to make sure that I am taking care of the athletes that I do have, um, and balance that with, you know, this podcast and writing the newsletter and coaching the high school athletes, um, and, you know, be present for my kids. So, uh, I really do appreciate, uh, all that, that reach out. Um, and if you have questions about training, by all means do, you know, ask, ask away, you know, if you have questions about how, uh, we got Nathan through this, you know, how do we train him? Feel free to ask. I'll, I'll divulge whatever I can. Um, you know, and some people ask me to just kind of write a generic plan. I'm really not a big fan of that. That's not my coaching style. Um, I'd like to be a part of your training. Um, so, you know, I, I don't do that. I, I don't just write coaching plans. I don't suggest people just follow a cookie cutter plan because there's too much that can go wrong. Um, but that's for a whole nother conversation. <laughs> so, um, that said, um, you know, like I said, I, I appreciate everybody reaching out, but I am full at this time. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, in getting together for a fall event, I will probably have some time by the time the fall rolls around. But, um, you know, so please reach out if you want to reserve a spot for later in the year. I certainly hope to, to have spots. Um, well, I don't hope to have spots, but I should have some spots that open up. So, all right, everything else. Um, so, um, I, I don't want everybody to think that the fundraising is over. I want to continue to raise funds. So if you can donate to either the Vermont Adaptive or the Challenged Athlete Foundation, um, I am raising money in the process of, uh, you know, running the Vermont 100 and the Leadville 100. That's how I gained my entry into those two races is to raise money for these amazing athletes. The uh, links will be in the show notes. And if you can contribute, uh, you know, you have not only my thanks, but the thanks of the foundation and the athletes that uh, are allowed to participate in sport. 
because of donations like ours. You know, I, I had to donate as well. That's part of the uh, the process. Is uh, so you know, I'm, I'm a part of this. Uh, not only raising money, but I did donate as well. So uh, if you can, I sincerely appreciate it. If you can't, I understand. But maybe you can share that. You know, I'm, I'm raising money for these uh, these causes. So thank you. As always, I want to thank my Patreon supporters. Uh, I have a list of them in the show notes. That's just wonderful that I, I continue to have the support of these folks so that I can continue to do this work. Um, you know, I, I, I plan on doing this until I, I don't really have much of a fire to do it anymore or feel like I don't have as much to share. I want these episodes to be worth your while. I have a very cool podcast episode coming up um, with uh, Danny from The Ultra Pacer. The Ultra Pacer is a website that uh, allows you to kind of put in the GPX file of the race you're doing and a lot of the factors that may um, that may affect your race, like temperature, altitude, etc. So we're going to do kind of a how-to and walk through it. Um, we're going to actually do it for uh, Western states because uh, I think that has a lot of factors to contribute into it as to uh, you know what pacing might look like you know due to temperature variation, altitude variation, etc. So we're going to go through that. Um, I will launch that along with the video uh, of the uh, the episode next week. Uh, so next week's episode will be with Danny from Ultra Pacer. So check out ultrapacer.com. Uh, I have no affiliation with Danny. I just like what he's doing. It's, you know, it is free to use. He, you know, you can contribute, which I have decided to do, uh, to help him continue to improve the, uh, the website and, uh, and everything that he puts into it. So, um, but check out ultra pacer. I think it's a really cool tool to use, uh, other things. Um, Hey, we're sitting here in, um, mid January. Um, and, uh, I really look forward to to getting in a race again. Uh, you know, I signed up for Rim Runner, the 50 miler. Uh, it's going to be my hopefully my qualifier for Vermont. That's uh, it's in Suwannee, Tennessee, and uh, I'm really looking forward to to checking that out. Um, been enjoying a new podcast. Uh, one of my runners and some of his friends have been putting on. Um, the uh, trail trash podcast it's actually pretty cool uh they have some pretty cool conversations i've been enjoying been enjoying that so if you have a chance uh and have some time for an extra podcast check it out they have some good conversations fun to listen to so um check those guys out um other than that guys i think that's all i have for this week again you know stay tuned for next week's episode and i appreciate all your support your time energies you know being able to listen to this please let me know if you have any questions or uh possibilities for future podcasts i really enjoy your comments and and hearing from you so please reach out Uh, and as always keep running my friends